Well, good morning. <clears throat> Probably all been there, done that, unfortunately, right? <laughs> or fortunately. Uh, we're in a series called What Happy Couples Know. And today's topic is something you have, sometimes you have to throw things. My wife saw the title. She said um, she was going to throw something at me. She didn't, so I'm still safe. <coughs> Excuse me. But in this series, we've been talking about we all come to relationships with a set of hopes, dreams, and desires. It's natural, it's normal. Uh, you can't help it. Most stuff is good. There is questions about <clears throat> uh, where we're going to live, what kind of place we're going to live in, how many children we're going to have, what kind of car we're going to drive, who's going to do the chores, how we're going to spend our money, etc., etc. <coughs> Excuse me. And we get in, come to enter that relationship with the significant other, your spouse, and <clears throat> you think, well, they're going to want to help me reach my hopes, dreams, and desires because they love me, they care about me, and et cetera, right? It only makes sense. And, and I'm a smart, intelligent person. My hopes and dreams and desires are good and good for both of us, so no problem. problem is this, though. On the other side of me, in my case, my wife, Deb, when I hand her my hopes, dreams, and desires, they don't seem like hopes, dreams, and desires. They seem like what? expectations and what I think is, is, is free and, and, and light she sees as a burden or a weight because now he's expecting me good wives do this and good wives do that and good wives don't do this <clears throat> and so it becomes a burden another thing expectations become they become transactional we talked about this as a debt debtor relationship so you know we went to your mom's this, this past Easter will go to my mom's this Easter. Becomes this back and forth in this 50-50 deal. And uh, we're trying to, you know, uh, you got what you wanted last time, so I'm going to get what I want this time. You, you, you blew the budget this week, so I'm going to blow the budget next week. So it just goes on and on in this back and forth. Uh, we call it a tug of war. Um, the problem is in a relationship, when one person wins, we the relationship loses. Now, we often don't think about that way, but that's the case. So we don't want a win-lose. We want a win-win. Now, something we didn't talk about this in our box is a lot of intangibles. So I'm going to talk about that for a minute this morning. Um, these are good things. These are things we, we naturally normally would desire. So I want to be respected by my significant other. I want to be desired. I want to be admired. Especially as guys, we want to think that our spouse knows we have what it takes. We, we have what it takes to be a good husband. We've got what it takes to be a good dad. We've got what it takes to, you know, bring, bring home enough money to, to, to make us comfortable, etc., etc. So we want to be admired. We want to be cherished, protected, and trusted. I don't want somebody just doubting me and questioning me all the time. I want somebody to trust me. We want to be priority. Priority over work, priority over hobbies, priority over the kids even, right? We want to be pursued and we want to be attracted to. Are these good things? I think they're good things. In fact, these are mostly, most of these things are things God desires for us. God wants us to respect Him, admire Him, desire Him, trust Him, cherish Him, prioritize Him, etc. So, this is our issue. What do we do <laughs> with our hopes, dreams, and desires? Now, a principle we talked about last week was this, called the 
principle of mutual submission. That means sub means under. So I try and place myself under you and you try and place yourself under me. And we had this, how much does our spouse owe us? What was the answer? Nothing, all right? As soon as they owe you something, you're putting you above them. Now, I don't know how people did their homework. Uh, here's a confession time. We, it's been a crazy week for a lot of reasons. But uh, we started actually one night in bed, which is the wrong time to do this. And our problem was she kept wanting me to give for her my, my hopes, dreams, and desires first. And I wanted to give her mine. I don't think it was being sub. I just like we didn't find the other person to go first. So finally my wife did. And she did some generalities. And I couldn't write them down. So that's where we're stuck right now. So our homework this week is to continue make sure we get that done. But mutual submission is being the first to the end of the line. Not the first to the beginning of the line. <clears throat> And again, without this, it becomes a, a tug of war, and we used this last week. There's no hope until you let go of the rope, until we lay it down, and we stop fighting, we stop pulling, and we stop trying to get the other person our expectations for them to fill our hopes, dreams, and desires. Now, today we're going to look at something about a guy by the name of Peter wrote. Peter was one of Jesus' disciples. He, so he, he spent 24-7 for three-plus years with Jesus. In fact, he's described as one of the three closest people on earth to Jesus. So Peter had a lot of faults, put his foot in his mouth a lot of times, but a lot of cool stuff happened in Peter's life too. <clears throat> Later on, uh, best we can tell, he faced a lot of hardship and maybe was even uh, killed for his faith. But he's going to give us a principle, and for you folks that aren't in a relationship, Good news for you today. This is a principle for all relationships. And they're dealing with anyone. Doesn't have to be a significant other. Doesn't have to be romantic. Doesn't have it applies and it fits. But it's a general relational principle. Now, for those of you that aren't churchy, that aren't religious, maybe aren't any Jesus followers, uh, and if you're here, we're glad that you're here. We love the fact that you come and, and listen. And some of this will help. But this answer to what we do with our box is going to sound, let me just tell you, it's going to sound a little churchy, it's going to sound a little religious, and uh, so that might be your pushback. But here, I want to kind of address your pushback. What are your options to do with your hopes, dreams, and desires? Came up with three. I didn't think any of them were very good. Option number one is this. You can ignore them. Yeah, I got all these, but I'm just going to pretend they don't exist. I'm just going to go on life and try and ignore them. The problem is they're real, aren't they? And if you ignore them, you're living a lie. And consequently, you know what happens if you live a lie long enough? You just get exhausted. You get worn out. That's no way to live, is it? So that's not really a good option to, to do with your hopes, dreams, and desires. Uh, we say, of course, we don't want to dump them on our spouse, make them expectations. So what's another option? Another option is stay busy. I just won't think about it. I'll stay so busy at work or, or with the kids or with my hobby. I'll play golf every day. So I don't have to think about my hopes, dreams, and desire. Uh, not a real good option. Again, it's, it, you're living a lie. And what often I see in this, this scenario is the, the, the couple becomes what I call roommates. There's no intimacy. You're just kind of passing each other in the night. Uh, it's a natural tendency. My wife and I will catch ourselves disconnecting and, 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 and we stop it and reverse it and say, okay, we're just, you know, uh, busy, but we're not connecting. 
So that's not a good option to do with my hopes, dreams, and desires. And there's a third option. And for some of you, this is a good option. Find someone else. So if you're still in a dating relationship or you haven't got it in a relationship yet, the last relationship you had, that person, you, guys, you, didn't, you didn't connect. You didn't, your hopes and dreams and desires were so different from theirs. You just didn't connect. It wasn't a good, good fit. And you can get out of it, right? Uh, you're in a dating scenario. For those of us who are married, that's not an option. That's not a good option. <clears throat> For one reason, it doesn't solve the problem. Because what do I do when I go into the next relationship? I take my box with me, don't I? And so, the last, my first wife, my first spouse, didn't meet this one, so I'm going to find somebody that does, right? Do a better job of meeting those. <clears throat> now, a little couple of warnings here. Is dating life real life? No, okay. Uh, I don't show up on a date, you know, all dirty and unshaven and whatever. I get myself cleaned up, right? On the outside and on the inside. I watch what I say and so forth. I remember the first time my wife, <laughs> I think we were already married, me, saw me really lose my temper. She said, oh my, what have I gotten myself into? <laughs> All right? So, you, you know, that's the advantage or disadvantage, I guess, of short dating, which was our scenario. You don't know each other all that well. <clears throat> so dating's not real. But here's the reality. We'll put it up on the screen. People don't rush into a new relationship because they're eager to give their lives to someone. Well, I'm going to find somebody that I can meet their dreams, hopes, and desires. That's my goal. That's all I want to do. Nobody does that, do we? We enter a new relationship to do what? Hoping to get something that they didn't not get. Well, my first spouse wouldn't meet my dreams and hopes and desires. But the second one, there's a good chance maybe she will. And again, there's a lot of good stuff in here. Maybe you're seeking affection. Maybe you're seeking uh, recognition. The list we looked at. So again, we go back to our question. Couldn't come with any good options. I don't want to dump it on my spouse. So what do I do with these? What do I do with my hopes, dreams, and desires? And Peter's going to give us a relationship principle that I think is the best solution to this problem. The best way to make healthy relationships. <clears throat> so, uh, Peter wrote this, obviously, and we call it First Peter. Uh, chapter 5, verse 5. All of you, that means who? Everyone. Okay. So, we're all included in this. This is not just for husbands or wives or whatever, or dating people. This is for everybody. It says, dress yourself, or make this your, you know, your common um, relationship dynamic. Dress yourself in humility as you relate to one another. So all of us in all our relationship, a principle, basic relationship principle we're going to operate under is humility. And that's kind of another word for mutual submission, isn't it? Go to the end of the line. Put the other person before you. Uh, expression I like is go small. Just go small. Humble. Go small. So... One way you can do this, or one way help in the way you, you and I can do this is this. In any situation you're in, ask yourself a question. What would a humble person do? Now, probably none of us do this, do we? So we're going to practice it this morning, all right? Now, the first service didn't do a very good job the first time. We had to do it a couple times. But you guys are better, right? 
So, when I ask you to repeat this, we're all going to do it enthusiastically. Ready? What would a humble person do? Now, you don't say it out loud. You say, okay, in this situation, what would a humble person do? Now, the funny thing is, I don't know how funny it is, none of us are really very humble, are we? If I asked you, how many of you are humble, if you put your hand up, guess what? You're not humble. It's a catch-22, isn't it? So, kind of a trick to this is what? Fake it until you make it. Right? If I'm acting humble, can you tell if I'm humble or not? You can't tell. So fake it until you make it. So ask yourself the question, what would a humble person do? And then do it. Now, this is a game changer in relationships because we don't do this. This is not natural. This is not the way we operate. Okay, so now here's some pushback. Why would I do that? (laughs) Why would I humble myself? Why would I ask myself that question? Well, I'm glad you asked because Peter gives us the answer. So I'm going to be humble as I relate to one another. And here's the reason. Because or for, God opposes the proud. Now, pride and humility are opposites, right? So if I'm not being humble, I'm being proud. So when I'm not humble, when I am proud, God opposes me. He's the opposite side of me. He's not with me. He's against me. Now let me just ask you a simple question. Who wants to be, have God against them? Anybody? No, 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 nobody wants to be in that position, but we put ourselves in that position when we operate out of pride. Now, if you want to object to the fact that God opposes the proud, let me just ask you a simple question. Do you, are you drawn to proud people? Do you like hanging out with them? Anybody? No. I, I, I don't want to, you know, there's the, I, I don't want to hang out with arrogant people. I just don't. Then it's not any fun. I don't be around that type of, type, of pe- type of people. So let's not be too hard on God. He, do, he doesn't like those kind of folks either. He, I don't say he doesn't like them, but he is opposed to them. On the other hand, what does he say? He gives grace to the humble. In other words, his favor. So God favors me when I'm humble. Want God's favor? Sure. We want God's favor. God's blessings, God's approval, God's support, God, whatever. So we all have options, anytime, any relationship, am I going to be proud and God's going to oppose me or, can I, or will I be humble and have God's favor? Another way of putting it is this, humility is an invitation for God to come close. Now you don't necessarily see it in the way it's worded, but this is a promise, one of God's promises to us, which means he has to do it. <clears throat> God never breaks a promise. So when I humble myself, God requires himself to be on my side. How awesome is that? So consequently, if I can get God on my side, so to speak, have his favor anyway, Peter goes on. He says, so, (laughs) we say, duh, (laughs) humble yourself under the mighty power of God or the mighty hand of God. Now, we call God Almighty. It means he's all-powerful. So if I'm under the 
umbrella, the protection, God's hand, there's no safer place to be. Now, most of us here in the United States feel pretty safe, don't we? We just spent uh, nine or ten days in Israel, and nobody feels safe in Israel. People walk, all kinds of people walk around with guns, not civilians, but soldiers and policemen and so forth, and because it's not a safe place. In fact, there was some, right after we got back, there was some rockets launched and so forth. So we, it's, it's hard to comprehend living in a place that's unsafe. But we can be safe when we humble ourselves because we're under God's protection, if you will. So the simple thing is, whether you're humble or not, do it. It's for your best interest. It's for your benefits, for your benefit of your relationship. So then he goes on. Another promise. Not only, does God, not only does God promise his favor, he promises something else. And at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. So this is kind of this promise from God that, you know, you put yourself last, and eventually he's going to put you in a position of over instead of under. Over. Not when you choose to do it, because that's pride, but when he does it, it's an honor. So, okay, but Pastor, that's a little confusing to me. I don't quite understand that. What does he really mean? What is he really saying? What's he going to look like? And so then we get to the, the principle. And this is verse 7. If you've been in church for a while, you're familiar with this. <clears throat> I'm going to use a translation. It's called the Amplified Translation, which fleshes out some of the words. So the part not in the brackets is the literal words that Peter wrote. The other words that help us understand what he meant by what he wrote. So here it is. Casting all your cares. What do you mean by cares, Peter? All your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all on him. Now I've been a pastor a long time. And worry fits into acceptable sins in the Christian church, doesn't it? Is it acceptable sin? No, in fact, if I'm reading this right, this is a horrible one. Because it means what? I'm, can God oppose to me? All anxieties, worries, and concerns on him. Once and for all, which means you don't take them back. We, we do take them back. But with the intention of not taking them back. So in our example here, what am I supposed to do with my box? What am I supposed to do with my hopes, dreams, and desires? Casting them on God. Another way to say that, God is inviting you and I to unload on him. Just to unload on him. My blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Wife doesn't do this for me, she doesn't, you know, she's not affectionate, I need affection, she doesn't, you know, keep the budget, whatever, complain, complain, complain. God says, dump it on me, tell me about it. And I always tell people, you think God can take it? <laughs> Your spouse not be able, might not be, be able to take it, but God can take whatever you and I can dish out, can he? So if this is kind of difficult for you, if you kind of struggle with it, now I'm not supposed to treat God that way. Let me kind of explain a little bit. First, don't play, pray polite prayers. 
Right? You might have this idea that you got to speak politely to God because he is God who we should worship and respect. But that's not what he's expecting and that's not what's, what's helpful or good for us. So don't play, pray polite prayers. Don't pray formal prayers. We'll get this in a few minutes. Jesus asked his disciples asked Jesus how to pray and he gave them this prayer and sometimes people recite that prayer which is okay but that's not what God wants from us. So how do I do this? I'm going to say it this way. Pray honest prayers. Now let me just kind of help us understand this. Does God know what you're feeling and thinking all the time anyway? <laughs> okay. So if I'm frustrated inside, if I'm kind of ready to explode inside and I pray some polite or formal prayer to God, that's not being real, is it? And God knows we're not being real because that's not what's going on in our lives. Now, I'm going to give you some, some help here. <clears throat> I ask this question. I, got, I ask it differently. Um, can our posture aid us in our prayer life? Okay. For example, kneeling. Kneeling is a position of what? Humility, isn't it? And we didn't we just talk about it, fake it until you make it? So if you're not feeling very humble, you can put yourself in a position of humility. This I found this interesting. I was at a prayer conference this week. Uh, it, it, the Bible doesn't tell you to put your hands together like this. I don't know if you pray that way. There's a famous painting of somebody praying that way. You know where this comes from? It comes from, uh, I think, the Middle Ages where a vassal to his, his, his authority, he would kneel and put his hands like this and the king or whoever would put his hands around the other person's hands saying he has authority over you. So it's a position, again, of humility. <clears throat> now, what are some other thing, ways or postures that help in prayer? When a little child, when your child puts his hands up like this, what is he indicating? Or she? Pick me up. I want to be close to you. I want you to hold me. I want you to protect me. All right? So you think that might be an aid in your prayer life? Raise your hand. People do it in worship, don't they? Here's the one I really like. In this prayer conference, our, our speaker, uh, we surrounded him, laid hands on him, prayed for him at the end. And he was sitting in a chair. We were all standing. But here's how he sat, with his hands on his knees like this. Now, what does that indicate when your hands are open like that? Two things, I think, at least two things. One, I'm not holding anything back, right? And I'm open to receive whatever you have for me. So you can pray anywhere, anytime. When we're talking about this serious venting to God, as we're going to call it, some of these things can really be helpful. Another way of saying it is this. You're going to take all that energy somewhere. You're going to let it out somewhere. So why don't you start with your Heavenly Father? Not your spouse. Not your kids. Not your parents. Not your co-workers. Not your fellow church members. Start with your Heavenly Father. And many of you have done this. I, I, I know this and understand this. When we do that, it's an invitation again to God. And what's God do? He gives us the strength 
to do what we need to do, doesn't he? And many of you could give testimony to this. Many of us have been in difficult situations, even this week. How do you get the strength to get through that? Now, Peter didn't come up with this. <laughs> Peter had a Bible, we call it the Old Testament. And this is actually, this principle comes out of something David wrote. Now, David is a fascinating character. We're going to study David one of these, uh, one of these times in our, our series on David. But he, had, he was passionate about good, but he was also passionate about evil. And the Bible describes him as a man after God's own heart. So I think we should be able to relate, or hopefully you want to be a person like that. So we're going to look at something David wrote. We call it a rant, maybe. Uh, he is maybe something out of his, his, his journal as he's dealing with some stuff in his life. But people, some people say, I don't know how to pray. Well, you ever had been mad and vented to somebody? Then you know how to pray. This kind of prayer we're talking about here. Now, again, Jesus, the disciples, the only thing we know that they ask him, I'm sure they ask him all kinds of stuff. But in our New Testament, the only thing that's recorded that they specifically asked Jesus was, how should we pray? And I think we've misinterpreted his answer. <clears throat> I think they saw Jesus and they saw he had a connection with God that they didn't have. They didn't want to have words to recite. They wanted to know how he was connecting with and what I thought, think he was trying to teach them is to be real and express your frustration to God. So we're going to look at, it's a bunch, I hope you'll read the Psalms. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff in there. People are talking about, God, I hope you smash my enemies' babies against rocks and all this kind of stuff. Can you pray that prayer? Well, if you're thinking that, you can pray that prayer. So this is not quite as dramatic as that, but it's pretty dramatic. We'll go through this pretty quickly. We're only taking up half the psalm as it is. He says, if, it, if an enemy were insulting me, I could endure it. We expect that, right? If a foe is raising up, raised against me, I could hide. So I, I have ways of dealing with that. But it is you, a man like myself, my companion, my close friend, with whom I once enjoyed sweet fellowship at the house of God as we walked about among the worshipers. We Worship together, we hugged, we cried together, and now all of a sudden you've turned your back on me? How difficult is that to take? And here's what he's feeling. He says, let death take my enemies by surprise. Let them go alive into the realm of the dead, for evil finds lodging among them. <clears throat> to basically, to, you know where with them. That's what he's saying, right? He's being honest, he's expressing his feelings. He says, as for me, I call to God. The Lord saves me. Evening, morning, and noon, I cry out in distress, and he hears my voice. So this is a real struggle for him. He's crying out three times a day. God, I need your strength. And he goes on. He, God, rescues me unharmed from the battle waged against me, even though many oppose me. This is not a small problem. It's a big problem. My companions attacks his friends. He violates his covenant. He breaks his promise. My wife walked down that aisle and she promised to love and da 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 da. And now she's not. Broke a promise. He broke his promise. His talk is smooth as butter, yet war in his heart. 
excuse me, his words are more soothing than oil, yet they are drawn swords. You ever hear somebody talk to you, I say sickening sweet, and you know inside they hate your guts? That's what he's talking about here, right? So here we get, here we get to what Peter is uh, reciting or quoting or, or drawing on. Cast your cares on the Lord and he'll sustain you. He'll never let the righteous be shaken. I'm under that protection, right? But you, God, will bring down the wicked to the pit of decay. Again, you know where I want <laughs> them to go. Bloodthirsty and deceitful will not live out half their days. I want you to shorten their lives. But as for me, I trust you. It looks bleak. It's difficult. I don't know what to do with all this. But God, I'm trusting you. Have you prayed that way? Have you done that? See, this is what the Bible talks about. Opening your heart to God. Those of you who are in a loving relationship, you want your loved one to open their hearts, their lives to us. Well, this is how way we open our hearts to God. And those of you who are parents or grandparents, hopefully that you're, you, you let your kids vent to you, that you make that a safe place. Hopefully you're not one of those parents who say, hey, don't talk to me that way. Well, that's what they're, that's what they're feeling. <laughs> let them. That's healthy. Let them have a safe place. Now, again, if you're a skeptic, if you're not really a religious person, that sounds too, too churchy or too too religious for you as an answer? Let me just finish up what Peter had to say. He said this. I'm going to cast all my cares on God. Why? Why would I do that? Why would I try to do that? For he cares about you with deepest affection, watches over you very carefully. Now this is fascinating with Peter. Peter, on the last night of Jesus' life, they come to arrest him. What's Peter do? Well, he draws his sword at first, then he runs away. And then we think maybe a middle schooler comes, hey, I think you're one of those Jesus followers, right? And Peter said, no, 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 three times. Right after Jesus, hours before, had told him, you're going to deny me three times. And so Jesus resurrected Peter. It was the first male, we think, and one of the first males to the tomb to see it empty. Then Jesus has this conversation with Peter after he's risen and then he puts Peter in charge of the whole enterprise. How many of us would have done that? Why? Because he cared deeply, deeply about Peter. So here's another way of stating that truth. If it's important to you, it's important to your Father in heaven. Parents, if it's important to your kids, It's important to you, right? But it's important because you are important to him. So unload, vent on your heavenly father and something remarkable happens. And let me warn you what the first thing remarkable that's going to happen. Your hopes, dreams, and desires some of them will disappear. Some of them will change. Some of them won't be as important as you thought they were. 
sometimes you just need to throw things, right? Your Heavenly Father invites you. This is what happy couples know. We vent to our Heavenly Father. Got one more week. We're going to tell you one more thing that happy couples know next week. Please join us. Let's pray and we'll have a song and let you go. Father God, thank you. Thank you for this principle. It's not natural. It's not easy for us. But oh, the benefits. And so help us. Even to fake it until we make it if we have to. God, relationships are important to us. They're even more important to you. And God, so we have the benefit that you treat us this way. should help us to treat others this way. And God, a group of size, there's got to some, be some folks that's not stepped across that line. And maybe this seems a little odd, a little strange though. But help them to understand how much you love them as you let your son die for them with no expectations. But the offering of a free gift of salvation, eternal life, forgiveness, person, purpose and meaning in this life. And the power to go through the most difficult circumstances that we personally I experienced this week. So God invites you to come. Come with your, all your baggage. Come with your rants and raves. Just come. Say, I, he just wants you to trust him. God, I'm trusting you this morning with my life, with my sin, with my relationships. God honors that prayer. Thank you again. We thank you for these words. Let them be truly a part of who we are. Let us dress ourselves in humility. In Jesus' name and his power we pray. Amen.